Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hit the bell notification so you're notified of any time we put new content on. We have videos going up daily. Sometimes you might be lucky and get a double upload per day. Um, we've got some great guests coming up. I know I say every week, but this week particularly, we've got some awesome guests, including today's guest. He played 368 times for the club, scored seven goals across a 10-year span. Um, he was never present in the... Um, in 85-86 season, um, he suffered you know, relegation, promotion with West Ham. But he did win the Premier League, obviously. Not with West Ham, though. Uh, it's Tony Gale. Hi, Tony. How are you? Hello, Russell. Good, thank you. How's, uh, how, how are you coping? How are you coping? Uh, yeah, not bad. I think the weather's helped, hasn't it? Uh, yeah. For lockdown purposes. But um, just about getting cheesed off of it. And looking forward to, hopefully, the uh, football starting. Hopefully, yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm, I'll be working. I think I'm on the I'm on the list. So they obviously the the, the players need Armstrong Bay Bubbles to come out to. So uh, oh, yeah. good man. So, so yeah, be a bit like Ghost Town, but you'll be the only one there. Grab my mask, and the gloves. <laughs> I'll be all like suited up. But yeah, anyway, anyway, hopefully we can we can only but hope. Um, but obviously, what the idea this channel came out of, you know, no one had football to talk about. You know, everyone was moaning about what's happening. So the whole idea of this is talking to West Ham fans, but also players about their memories of the club, you know, fond memories, early memories, and also their their Hammers eleven, the people they'd pick as their eleven. So for you, Tone, obviously, you know, you joined in in '84 um, from from Fulham, you know, two hundred grand, nice price tag for a, a centre back. What was it like? What was it? Because I don't get this, asked this question. What's it like walking, you know, through into a training ground when you've signed for a new club? let alone West Ham. What, what's it like? Because it must be like weird. Well, it's a bit nerve-wracking because yeah. obviously you're moving, as you're saying, it's like just going to any new job. You're moving in with a new set of people, but you're keen really to impress the boys that you're with straight away without being over top, over the top. But I've always been a, shall I say, a little bit on the confident side. So <laughs> my entrance was a, a little bit different in that I wanted to feel part of it straight away. But I tell you what, there was a, a great set of lads, great set yeah. of lads, and it made me immediately feel welcome. And it was easy to integrate, so super easy. And obviously, you know, you, you, had, you, had, you had John Law as your man. So, you know, it must have been, you know, had, you know, how's it all work? You know, did, did, did West Ham come in and, and was there was other offers on the table or, or what happened? Yeah, two two offers on the table. My it was the first year that when the contracts ran out, yeah. you became a free agent, uh, for, uh, you know, to negotiate whatever. Yeah. So mine had run out, and I think Fulham had 
kind of taken their eye off the ball because my fee had to go to an independent tribunal. So what happens is the selling club asks the earth yeah. and the buying club sort of offer nothing. Do you know what I mean? It's one yeah. of them. Yeah. So it was, it was a funny one. It was in the summer of that season, summer of 84, but there was two clubs in particular that wanted me. It was Chelsea and West Ham who I'd met on the same day. So I met them around my house. The West Ham contingent was just John and Eddie Bailey and it was Ian McNeil and John Neil of Chelsea okay. who came around. Chelsea with the other team. So I spoke to the two clubs on the day and John Lyle won it hands down. John Lyle and Eddie Bailey. I mean, they, they were the first to see me and they were with me an hour having a chat and then I had Chelsea knocking on the door but John and Eddie went around the pub because they said after the hour you do another hour with Chelsea and then we're coming back. We ain't going away until you sign. But being, it's, it's not just you, it's your family's involved. Yeah, so your, your wife's involved as well. And although Chelsea was on my doorstep because I was a Fulham player, don't forget, I'm a West London lad. And I was a Chelsea supporter as a kid. Lost that, of course, when I signed for Fulham, but as a Chelsea supporter as a kid, you would think it would have been Chelsea, but no. John Lyle won a day for West Ham. And I've, I've never regretted it. No. And the rest, as you said, it was history, wasn't it? It's like, then it was a 10 year yeah. career, 368 games. Obviously, throughout that, there's obviously peaks and troughs um, with, with how, how West Ham perform, as is always the way, just like bubbles. Yeah. Um, you know, what would you say was like your, I know, it's really difficult to say, but like your, your, your career highlight, you know, like, like certain games or maybe goals which stick in your mind across that 10 years. It was so, so many games you played. Well, goals stick in your mind because I didn't get many. Seven, <laughs> it's not okay. like I'm Tony Cotty sitting here talking over 300 goals. It's me, Tony Gale defender, talking over every one of me seven. So I'll go for all of them if you want, Russ. But uh, no, the best goal um, was against Liverpool. We played them in the League Cup. They were flying high at the time. They were winning all competitions. We beat them 4-1 at home. And that was a wonderful four days because on the Saturday, we went away to Millwall, who were our yeah. big, uh, fearsome opponents, weren't they? And everybody, you know, everybody said, you've got to beat Millwall. Millwall yeah. Spurs, it was at the time. Millwall were flying high as well. I don't know if you remember when they were in the first division. And we beat them in the league on the Saturday, 1-0. So we beat Liverpool 4-1 and beat them convincingly 4-1. And I scored a goal there, a free kick. I think I have scored better free kick goals, <laughs> but because of the enormity of the game yeah, and the sure. team that we were playing, I would pick that one. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the best times, if you're talking about the times, yeah, would yeah. have to be, it was sort of the second season that oh, I, I was there, 85, 86, when yeah. we went so close, but we didn't win the title. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and as you said, we, we, still, we still, you know, celebrate and talk about that, that, that time, you know, how many years on, you know, 20, 30 years on, you know, and, you know, that, and that's the thing you, you, you get particularly, I mean, I wasn't, I was literally, I was only at four or five at that time, unfortunately, but obviously you hear so many stories about that, that team and how great that team was. And obviously, you know, you were an ever present in that team that you, know, you and Alvin, you know, formed this rock of a defense, which I don't think, you know, arguably we've seen since that sort of strong, you know, pairing. We tend to have one, one auxiliary. Yeah, there's normally been one or or another, hasn't there? But yeah. um, very rarely that you get a pairing. And the interesting thing about the season, Russ, was that um, I see a lot of Tony Cotty. You know, a friend of mine. We work together as well yeah. as being really good friends. And he said to me the other day, something because he's into his stats. 
do you know that in that season we created 17 records for West Ham United, yeah. which still stand to this day? Doesn't surprise me. And, and I, I was like, well, what, how'd, how'd you make that out? Most home victories, most yeah. away victories, most consecutive wins, most goals scored by our striking partnership. Uh, goals conceded. He went on and on and on. Oh, there were 17 different records that we that we made that season, and it still hasn't been beaten to this day. Uh-huh. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it was such. I'd, an I'd love it. I'd love it to I'd, be beaten. Yeah, actually. I know. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. I'd love it. But it's it's just an, an enormous accolade. It's like when I was talking to David Cross the other day. He's the only West Ham player to have scored a hat trick in European competitions, and. Well, at least for least in a couple of seasons, unless unless there's a massive upturning form in the next when we get back and everyone else buggers off and you know everyone, everyone falls out of the Premier League, then, then maybe not for a couple of seasons. But um, I I, uh, I I know David. He he left before I came. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he was a he's a quality he was a quality player, quality man as well. I got yeah. to add, and I'm I'm sure you feel the same. But you know, he scored four goals against Spurs as well. Yeah, you know, don't forget he scored four goals in a game against Spurs. I mean, yeah. that's enough to put you in West Ham folklore, let alone yeah. <laughs> like history or whatever. And no, Cross is a he's a lovely guy. Yeah, no, he is. He is, and, and as I said, I think you know that that's that sort of period from you know sort of you know sort of mid seventies to sort of the mid eighties. That was the heyday period for West Ham. You know, in terms of success, you know, FA Cup wins, the eighty five stuff, eighty five, eighty six seasons. It was like, and obviously European stuff. That was like, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I came on the tail end of it, but it doesn't, doesn't matter. I saw promotion. So I saw when we went, obviously, you know, relegation and obviously, you know, 91 and stuff and the relegation and promotion. Yeah. That was that was sort of my era. So, you know, you know, I started, you know, in a relegation battle. So, you know, I sort of stood as we meant to, <laughs> so we meant to carry on. Yeah, <laughs> that, was it, a, that, was a, that was a good era as well, Russ. You know, that was. was a good era of players. And, you know, I... You very rarely went for a season at West Ham when some, you know, like everybody's some clubs, they're like mid table, nothing happens to them. So, yeah. in the 10 years that I were there, I had two promotions, yeah. two relegations, and the year that we nearly won the title. Yeah. That's five of the seasons. That's five of the seasons. The other five of the seasons, there was always something happening good cup runs, quarter finals, yeah. semi finals, whatever. Always something happening. And if there's always something happening, Good or bad, that's when the, and the fans love it, and they? they absolutely love it. Not relegation. I know they didn't love relegation, but they'd love you to win a relegation fight. So exactly, cool. exactly. And yeah. you know, for us, you know, we obviously we we're quite used to that for the last few seasons. But you know, it, it's it's it, it, it's but, but we win them, so it's all right. And as you said, it's like that, that adulation when we'll win and Bournemouth will lose, and that will obviously carry on for the next couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Um, come mid-June. Um, but it, it, as you said, that, that's being West Ham. You always have to have something going on. And when, when, they, when it's going on, whether it's positive or negative, the fans, you know, as you said, we're not, we're not a boring club, are we? We're not a, there's always something yeah, going on. I think, I think that's where the fans have been let down slightly. Uh, it's not just recent seasons, quite a few seasons, where... You know, the club, okay, in the Premier League, but have a cup run. You know, yeah. don't just discard the cups. Don't just play your second team and then go, oh, well, they should have been good enough to beat this. You know, they've just shown me, though, that they can't contend with the other players. I've given them a chance. We don't want to hear yeah. all that flannel anymore. We want to hear, we're in the cup final, or we got to the semi final, or we got to the quarter finals. Not that keep getting knocked out to the lowly teams and. No. 
not really bothering about the cup competitions. No, That's yeah. the one that gets my go a bit. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, obviously we had obviously 2006 where, you know, that was, you know, we obviously we just, just gone up and then we had 2006 and we had the, you know, the car and you said, it's a day out, isn't it? And I think that's what West Ham fans, they love a day out. They love, you know, booking the limos and they love, you know, putting the ribbons on the cars. And I always prefer. I think we had, was it three successive seasons? Yes. Yeah. I think we had playoffs, two playoffs and a cup final, yeah. didn't we? I, I had and the same car like, park space. I myself days. as a fan, like you're saying, I didn't I didn't do the limo thing. But I mean I, I it what a weekend it was up there yeah. in the Millennium Stadium. I Absolutely love wonderful place. Yeah, I had yeah. the same car park space for three years running, so it was quite fun. <laughs> and um, and yeah, you do the right by that hot dog stand. Right by <laughs> that hot dog stand. <laughs> yeah, do fucking right. Don't tell my wife. But yeah. That's what I loved about Cardiff though, because Cardiff was like, you know, it was it was a massive stadium in the middle of the town. So literally, obviously they split the town in half and, you know, there was massive pub and it was like a walking distance where Wembley, I find now very like sterile, you know, Wembley way, you have to get the train, you know, you go to Baker street or you meet at Liverpool street and then go off where Cardiff was like, I used to really enjoy going to Cardiff. Yeah. Wembley has got better. It's got that shopping yeah. centre there now. Yeah, it it's has, got more yeah. shops and more, Maybe outlets to you know have a drink in like you know the, the big chain restaurant things or, or used to it's a lockdown things <laughs> changed it a little bit now but the Millennium I loved the Millennium yeah. because I mean I called it Cardiff I Street I don't know what the street was called right outside yeah. the stadium but yeah. there was bars there was restaurants there was pubs there was virtually everything we was at a cricket ground we stayed at a cricket ground there was a corporate thing for one of the I think it was a cup final day. Yeah. corporate thing there but there was so many places to go weren't there hotels yeah. everybody would congregate congregate around those and i never never saw much trouble i don't no. know if there was but no. I, I never saw much trouble but they split yeah. the, they, they split the team they split the city almost in half didn't they and i think that was just such a clever idea so like you had the west ham half and the liverpool half but yeah. i always remember my my one sort of memory apart from obviously the game um, of that 2006 was I was walking down Cardiff High Street we'll call it and there was a big Weatherspoons it was like a two-story Weatherspoons like one massive window and there was literally a bloke a West Ham fan you could tell he had a tattoo on his ass, literally pressed against the window at Weatherspoons in his <laughs> and I was like I just felt so so warm yeah so warm <laughs> Good time. Anyway, yeah. anyway, let's let. Obviously, you, you mentioned about you mentioned about the players and things like that, and and that's what we try and do as well. So we try and find out about people's hammers eleven. So the eleven they'd pick. So it might be for some, it might be their favourites or things like that. For you, it might be the players you played with or a mixture, maybe played with and, and seen play maybe since. Um, and it'd be great to sort of to get that. We try and keep it to a four four two. Um, we've got we've had about. 110 different names appear in since all the interviews obviously a few are similar and i'm sure a few will come yeah. up but um but that's the thing obviously you can play yourself tone you don't have to worry you yeah, know, well, I'm, well I'm, I'm not playing well, if you... i can't pick myself it's my <laughs> ball russ isn't it it's my it's ball your, it's your ball yeah i mean david cross <laughs> picked himself up front against pop robson um no, but yeah no, but, but yeah so but kenny brown didn't pick himself i know he didn't but uh but yeah, anyway, <laughs> anyway. So if we're going for the gaily eleven, who would be between the sticks for you? Obviously, you're great. You know, you've got great understanding being a defender. Who'd be your your, your man behind you? Well, I was lucky. I probably played with the best keepers we've ever had: Phil Parks and Ludo McCloskey. Yeah. So, and I, I don't. 
think there'd be many West Ham supporters who argue that those two were the best. You know, one's still got a chant for his, you know, for himself down there, what he'll have for the rest of his life, which he can never understand, by the way. Ludo McCloscoe. You know, the, boy, big boy, what's your name? My name's Ludo McCloscoe, you know. I come from near Moscow. And as Ludo says, and as Ludo says to me, I don't come from near Moscow. I went... Yes, Ludo, but it doesn't rhyme with McCloscoe, you don't <laughs> know. It doesn't rhyme with Czech Republic, yeah. <laughs> Former Czechoslovakia. Yeah, now he more so. Yeah, I think it's closer to get to London uh, from Czechoslovakia. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's what guys. he said. I said, I can't, you, can't, you can't be Ludo McCloscoe and I come from near Prague, can you? Look, don't rhyme, <laughs> you know. But uh, um, no, so those two guys, uh, obviously, I would have to, I'd love to play the pair of them, but uh, one of them's got to go on the bench. So I would narrowly go for Phil Parks, yeah. who probably was one of the best goalkeeper, goalkeepers in the world at that time. Mm. So it would narrowly be Parksy. Parksy just about had everything, and he had a great demeanour uh, and an attitude to football that was so relaxed, which I believe goalkeepers should have, because when they do make mistakes, then some goalkeepers tend to worry about it, and the next thing that they do... That's a panic up and it, it unsettles everyone in the defence. But Parks, he was, he, he was great about it. He was, a, he was a top keeper. Great at crosses, really came across his great shot stopper. And I'd say Ludo was, you know, running him close. I think it was, Ludo was more athletic, I yeah. would say, yeah, 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 more yeah. loose-limbed. Yeah. But Parks, he had better handling, yeah. if, if I could say that. But the two keepers, absolutely top draw. That would be... That's the position, probably, where you're spoilt for choice. Yeah. The two keepers. Yeah. So I'm going to narrowly go for Parksy, and they're both good friends of mine. So yeah. apologies to Ludo <laughs> and to Parksy. You owe me another bottle of red. <laughs> <laughs> another bottle, that just says it. Yeah, we'll put Parksy in. As you said, you know, I think you're right with a goalkeeper. They have to be, you know, I think the best goalkeepers, particularly for West Ham, but in general, are the ones where they have this sort of calming atmosphere, you know, cal- you know. Goalkeepers were always, you know, the Bruce Grobelars were all crazy and da-da-da. But actually, I think for West Ham, you, in my era, obviously Ludo, but obviously, you know, Robert Green, you know, Fabianski, they're very calm. You know, they, they don't seem erratic. Yeah. And I think, particularly if your defence isn't particularly strong, it's nice to have a calming influence in the back. But uh, yeah, they never, uh, Parksy and Ludo never really made saves look spectacular yeah. if they didn't have to. Yeah. You know, they, they, it, someone like Adrian, you know, remember Adrian, he's, yeah. I mean, good, good goalkeeper, but he'd tip it over the bar, then he'd dive. Yeah. But these two were just, if it was there to catch, they'd catch it and yeah. just get on with the game. If it was there to make a spectacular save, they would. Exactly. But I'll tell you what, both really good guys as well. Yeah. So anyone who met either one of those two guys wouldn't be disappointed with them. Yeah. You know, they say never meet your heroes, but if those guys are your heroes, meet them. They won't, they won't let you down. Sounds great. All right, we'll put Parksy in. Nice shout. Okay, let's go. Let's go for. Let's go for left back. Who do you have left back, Tony? Well, I'd have to go for Norm. Uh, you might not know who Norm is, but Norm was a character out of Cheers. He was the fat geezer who used to sit on the end of the bar, and that's who Julian Dix looked like when he first signed for us. You know, uh, and uh, when they used to come in the bar at um, in Cheers, they always go Norm, and he's like like that, and hello. But that was Norm. That was Dixie. Uh, didn't say a lot, super fella. Um, probably took a little bit of time to settle in. Mm. Probably got 
a little bit of time to understand the way we play, particularly people in front of him, because he had didn't have a bad time. He had either Alan Devonshire or Liam Brady at the yeah. time. So he had that, either one of those two. So Julian would get that left-back choice. The other left-backs I played with were good left-backs. is Stevie Wolford and Georgie Paris, yeah. really good left-backs. But Dixie was just a bit above those two. Yeah. He was a top, top player. Yeah, as you said. yeah. And Chris and I played with Chris and I forgot about Chris. He came to us on... Uh, at the end of his time from Spurs. He played yeah, in the yeah. FA Cup semi-final with us. So another one I'd, I'd have to mention. I have to keep mentioning all these boys. No, good. But it would be Norm. Yeah, Norm. Norm. Can I hold the nicknames down instead of the fans have yeah. got to guess who it is? Yeah, hey. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, hey. we'll do that. That's it. We'll put, <laughs> put Norm in. What's Park? Uh, Parksy? Is that what you call Phil? Well, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. We'll go left back, Norm. Okay, who's going to go right back then? Well, right back's going to go Tonka. Oh, yeah, so yeah. There we are. That's yeah, uh, Ray Stewart. Yeah. Um, again, I had another choice of player I could have played there, but he played also, and I thought he ended up playing in a better position for himself. Stevie Potts played centre back, mm. but Stevie was a good right back as well. Mm. But Tonka was a specialist right back, and added to that, which all West Ham fans know, he was a brilliant penalty taker. Same as Norm, actually. I think yeah, they'd be Norm, fighting over it. Yeah. Who'd be taking over the penalties? But uh, Tonka was a, you know, he's, he was a hard, hard lad. He'd kick his granny for two, Bob. I tell you, he's one of those. He was proper, hard as, hard as now as Tonka. Hard with his money, hard with his tackles. Um, really good friend of mine still to this day. Um, but he was a super player. I'd have to mention Potsy as well, though, because Potsy yeah. was a great servant to West Ham. Oh, yeah. And Potsy, um, as I say, played probably better in the centre-back position than he did in the right-back position. Yeah. And also, Smokey, uh, Georgie Paris, he played right-back as well. He used to yeah. play right-back as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mean, you're uh, Ray, right. Yeah. Ray Tonka, Tonka Stewart, he had to be there. Yeah, no worries. That's a great shout. Okay, we'll put Tonka in. Okay, let's go for centre-backs. Are you putting yourself down as one tone or are you going up front? Yes, yes. I'm going to make myself captain <laughs> as well, Russ. Captain, yeah. Um, captain, Tony I'm going to be yeah. on free... If you don't mind, I'm going to be on free kicks. I'm taking them over from Tonka and Dixie as well. <laughs> Yeah, yep. and uh, what else can I give myself? Uh, oh, also, I'm man of the match for every game. Okay, man of the match. Yeah, man of the match. Even I remember we used to do that when we used to do announce man of the match at West, <laughs> at West Ham. We used to have um, when Wrighty was playing for us. Wrighty would literally just come on the pitch, and he'd get announced as man of the match because obviously he went to meet the meet the, the sponsors afterwards. So it's always yes. like Ian Wright, Ian Wright, Roy, yes, he's still on the bench. But okay, I right, know. Yeah. yeah, right. Man of the match, got uh, you know, and obviously, um, yeah, we'll put captain, we'll put physio, yep. director of football. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Coach, manager. Sorted. That's it. All of them. No right, props. Right. Who you gonna, who's going to partner you? Because obviously, you know, you've got to pick because you're, you know, you're the manager as well. Yeah, obviously, um, everybody knows... Um, Alvin, obviously, I would pick Alvin. I played Alvin mm. with Alvin probably for 10 years, yeah. on and off. Apart from, uh, we had a couple of long-term injuries at different times and he played and I hadn't played and vice versa. But uh, for sheer consistency of performance and a, a really good player as well. Good captain as well, but I've nicked the captaincy off him. He um, won't like that because he, he, he liked being captain. But I've nicked yeah. the captaincy off him this time because I'm manager as well. So I've made myself captain, yeah. uh, and I'm better looking than him as well. So he got more air. Now, Alvin, I tell you what, Russ, quality player, quality yeah. player. 
good commanding player in the air, very good in the air, a lot better in the air than me. Good on the ball, very good on the ball. Uh, because he was strong and competitive, people would probably underestimate his ability on the ball. But he also had that ability as well. We were, we were both lucky that we were good on the ball in the way that we played. We like to play deep because I'm fair to say to both of us, we wasn't blessed with pace. So we, liked, we were both comfortable in playing deep, but both comfortable on the ball and playing the ball out of defence. And if you're comfortable in playing out of deep positions, it does give the rest of the team more room, sure, i.e. Yeah. the strikers to play in the space or midfield players or to zip it into midfield players or wide players. So we were both very comfortable with that. Uh, I'd have to mention the other people that I played with as well. Um, Potsy, I loved playing with Potsy. Yeah. Um, he sort of played with me towards the later stages of my career there. Potsy was, like, unlike Alvin, he was blessed with pace and he was Mr. Yeah. Consistency, Steve, and a top fella. None of, none, of the, uh, none of the fans would disagree with that. He'd be, he'd be right up there with some of the most loyal servants at the club, one club man and whatever. Played with Bonzo there as well. Loved playing with Bonzo, but obviously it was coming to the end of Bonzo's career. Yeah. And another one I played with for a few games was Julian. When he plays against I mean, Julian was a natural, naturally aggressive player as well. So he was very good on the ball. I enjoyed playing with a lot of them. Colin Foster, do you remember Colin Foster? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Colin Foster, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gary Strodder I played with. Paul Hilton I played with. All good footballers, all yeah. good blokes. None of them were wrongins, so to speak. So enjoyed every one of their company. But it would have to go to Alvin. Yeah. And Alvin obviously had a great career at West Ham, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And as I said, I think that's a, and I think that is that's, that's quite a solid back five we've got there already, Tone. I think. Right. Okay, that's great. Okay, let's go into midfield. Let's go. Let's go left wing. Who will have on the left wing? Probably guess. Uh, he wouldn't like to be called a left winger, but no. he was the best player that I played with at West Ham, so he would be called as a left midfielder, left winger. Yeah. But it was Alan Devonshire. Yeah. yeah that was his spot. Um, another one who was who running close was Liam Brady, but Liam wasn't there as long as Alan. No. And I think Alan picked him for his West Ham play, obviously. Liam had greater service at Juventus, Ascoli, Inter Milan, Arsenal, wherever he played. But we got Liam at the end of his career. Um, Alan Dev was super. He was the best player that I played with at West Ham in sure. my career. Uh, probably one of, me, he's one of my best pals as well. So we travelled in together, me, him and Parksy being, being the foreign players for us because yeah, we yeah. came from West London. In West That's London, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, West London boys, and uh, Paul Goddard was one of them and all. But um, I'd have to say Alan Devonshire, hands down, Alan Devonshire. A guy who had um, a little spell out there, but he also played up front, I'd have to mention as well, was Stuart Slater. Sure, yeah. yeah. Stuart went to, he should have stayed with us, and he went to Celtic. If he'd have stayed with us, I think he'd have had an even better career. Just think he moved at, at the wrong time, or Chopper as we used to call him. And that was the fact that he never made a tackle. Also, we called him Chopper Slater. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he played, uh, he was on the left. But Dev, without a doubt, just beat yeah. players with ease, always accept the ball in difficult situations, didn't mind being kicked, would always double up with a fullback if the fullback was struggling against his winger. Just, just quality all round and a quality bloke as well. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. I don't think anyone would disagree with that, Tony. Right, okay. Let's let's go to the other wing. So, who will have on on the on the right wing? What we feel, whatever you want to call it. Uh, right wing. I had the choice of 
I think it boiled down to sort of three. So it was Kevin Keane, yeah. who was excellent at our time and also went on to be coach at West Ham yeah. uh, and other places as well. I'm not sure if he's back at West Ham again now, Kev. I think he might be back on the coaching staff. But Kevin Keane was there. Uh, Paul Allen, when I first came there. Uh, but Paul was only for a season and a half and then he moved over with the enemy, uh, which we joke about with him all the time, Paul Allen. <laughs> He's a, he's a great geezer, as is Kev. He's a real nice fella. But uh, it'd have to go to Mark Ward. Yeah. Mark Ward was in our 85, 86 team. Again, a really good mate of mine. Little scouser, little, little scallywag, as I call him. Um, but a oh, top player. Yeah. He complimented the other side, the Dev, so much because he used to tuck in, would he? If Dev got forward. Sure. And also, not being like Dev... He didn't go past players as easy with like a little jink or whatever, but he had blistering pasted Mark. Little strong as well. And I'll tell you what, for a little right-sided midfield player, come winger, he was tough as old boots. He kicked the fullback as much as they kicked him. Yeah, he was, he, he was no shirker, would he? <laughs> In my team, all day long. He was like, you know, always moaning, always getting up, you know, getting on with it, always arguing with the, team, uh, the opposition. Yeah. Just that's all my constant memories of Mark. Still see him to this day. Don't live far away from me. So Mark Wald. Oh, right. Yeah, great shout. Great shout. And that's the thing, because obviously, you know, I, I, I wasn't around to see really Dev and, and Mark Wald and people like that. And that's the whole, and I'm learning so much more like for West, like West Ham history, so to speak, because all these stories that are coming up from you and obviously Mark's appeared, Dev's appeared in loads of them. So it's really nice to, to hear all this stuff. Right, okay, so we'll put Wally on the right. Let's go um, the centres, centre midfielders. Who are we going to have as your first centre midfielder then, Tony? Well, I've got to have two midfielders and the first one and then the next one was the hardest choice. But the first one would be Alan Dickens. Yeah. Uh, now, most West Ham players, uh, West Ham fans will go, Oh, Anna Dickens, what, but he came through the youth team. He had a great yeah. upbringing, you know, come up alongside Tony, Tony Cotty, and other players that come through the youth team in, in that time. And the academy was, you know, regularly churning them out. Yeah. You know, later days, it was Potsy, Yincy, Kevin Keane, you know, all good players, all Premier League players. Yeah. Or well, First Division, as it was called then. Yeah. But Alan Dickens was silky smooth, took over from Trevor Brooking, unfortunately gave him the new mantle of the new Trevor Brooking. Mm. Moved to Chelsea. Again, if he'd have stayed, it'd have been a lot better for him. But in 85, 86, he nearly played every game. Same as me. Uh, top player. What a touch. He had a beautiful touch. But not just a beautiful touch. He was good in the air. And he had a great tackle. He had that, what I called the Peter Beardsley tackle at the time. You know, when they slide and they scoop it back. Scoop it back, he yeah, had yeah, that yeah. sliding tackle. Oh, yeah. Where it was like a hook tackle. Dicko was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. He burst into the box late, but when you had to defend and just sit there, he'd do that as well. Alan yeah. Dickens all day long. And then but there's, a, there's a host of other of players. Because I've got to pick the one next to him now, haven't I, Russ? Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. There's a host. In that 85, 86 season, that position alternated between Jeff Pike and Neil War. Mm. So those two, those two boys were quality. Pikey came up through the U team. Neil, we signed from Morton in Scotland. He was a good player as well, old in midfield player. Pikey was one of the most under underestimated players and mm. one of the best team players that I played with, Pikey. He was a top player. Um, but then I, then I have to have a look at the other midfield players who I played with at different times. And I look at Paul Ince, who went to play on for England and whatever, yeah. done this, done that, done the other. 
Billy Bonds, who could have played anywhere in the team, but yeah. I only played with Billy later on yeah. in his West Ham life. So uh, I was, I was, I'm trying to think who I would pick. So it would be between Bonzo, Incy, who was a kid coming through, yeah. and the last one I think you mentioned before, Ian Bishop. Yeah. So to say who had their best time with me then, and had more, I played more games with, and had a bit of consistency to his game as well, it would be Ian Bishop. Yeah. Paul Lintz ended up the best player out of the three of them, yeah. hands down. Billy Bonds was a wonderful West Ham hero, and yeah. like, even a hero to me to this day. Yeah. But because it was Billy's latter days, I would have to go maybe Bish in the middle of the field there yeah. with Alan Dickens. Yeah. I played with Bish for a good six, six or seven years, so yeah. I'd have to give it to Bish. No, yeah. I agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes makes great sense. And as you said, he was a. Uh, I think I think somewhat Bish was a bit more ahead of his time, really, because you know he's he's a type of midfielder that hap- that occurs quite regularly in the Premier League now. You know, it's all stylish. You know, he was. Yeah. You know, he's got a good good range of passing on him. Put yeah, he'd uh, he'd be great in today's football. Yeah, uh, the pitches are not <laughs> as bad as they were then. The <laughs> balls are obviously lighter, and he could pass. He could pass for fun and he could spot a pass as well. Yeah. Really yeah. good creative player. Yeah. That's a great shout. Right, okay, but Bish now. If, gonna... he don't pick, if he don't pick me in his team, I'm gonna get the <laughs> up with him. <laughs> right, all right, okay, we'll put Bish in with an asterisk next to his name. Otherwise Jeff Pike's in. Um okay, right, we'll put Bish in. Right, who's gonna go up front then, Tony? Who are we gonna have up front? Well, it's quite easy, isn't it, really? Uh, uh my two pals. Yeah. Um chalk and cheese. Uh <laughs> As well, you know, we got Tony. You know, I played with a lot of other strikers yeah. as well. Yeah, all the quality strikers I can mention them all, but it's just easy just to say Cotty and McAvenny, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Tony was. They were both different players. Tony, when he first came into the side, was a we thought was a little bit lazy. I, I still tell him to this day. But when he added a little bit of work rate to his game as well, and realised it was a bit of a team game as well as just scoring goals he became so much more of a better player really terrific player he had everything that you could want in a goal scorer in and around the area short back lift just turn get his shots away with either feet would look to get down the side to central defenders all the time and we had players who could pick the pass to get there Uh, and eventually sort of was better in his link up play when we played to feet as well because all Tony wanted to do was get in the box because he'll tell you 98% 98% of his goals came in the box yeah. and he came alive. But we did have to convince him that there should be another part of your game, that there was 10 other players there as well. We're not all there just to put a ball on a plate for you. He was top quality time. Um, really, Russ, a crisp striker of a ball. Sure. Never any of those side foot finishes or anything like that. Just whoosh, straight through the ball. Really yeah. good striker of the ball. And his strike partner, of course, who shared, we nearly share the same, we're exactly the same age apart from two days, me and, uh, me and Frank. Oh. We both celebrate them in different fashions. He still goes <laughs> to shrink fellows and I have a cup of cocoa. Yeah. Um, no. Well, you know, Frank could go down as um, probably legendary status, same as Tony really yeah. as well, but for different reasons. But they complemented each other so well. But Frank was... Not so big in stature, but he really did put himself about against centre-backs. And if, if they wanted to have a little, you know, elbow and a bump and a bruise, he was up for that. You know, he had a, the old jock in him came out. He was a little bit, 
little bit fiery. It was one of our fiery ones, him and Waldy. Yeah. Probably start all the fights on the football pitch, those two. Uh, still start fights now, apparently. <laughs> no, he's got, he's got a bit more laid back now, Frank. Yeah. But he is, again, a good finisher. Yeah. Uh, had that bit of pace to get behind people. Better in the air than what people thought he, mm. thought he was as well. So he had a good all-round game. What he did over, uh, better than Tony was run the channels. But Tony was a better finisher, I would say. Yeah. But he did run the channels and worked harder than Tony. And that was a naturally natural thing in his game, which Tony, watching Frank and playing with Frank, got a little bit to that to his game as well. So I believe they really complemented each other. Yeah. They're still great friends. We're all great friends. Yeah. But they're still great friends to this day. And I don't think that'll happen now with players. Yeah. You know, that they'll all be ringing each other up 30, 40, year or 40 years on down the line and still going out with each other with their missus and on their own for a drink. Yeah, but that's that's what the the team was like then, Russ. You know, it was terrific. No, exactly. And I think also like partnership wise, you don't get that really as much now. Like you know, like a partnership, no. you get a trio. So you'll get like you know, Firmino, Salah, and Mane. But yeah. you know, particularly West Ham, we haven't had that sort of partnership. You know, we chop and change, and and I think you know. Well, they could. Those boys were so good then in those days. And our formation constantly changed, although it was, you've put it down as a 4 4 2, and it yeah. looks a 4 4 2 on paper. Yeah. Really, if we were struggling in the game, Frank would drop deep. He would play just in front of the two central midfield players. Tony played high, and then Alan and Mark would push on a little bit to stop the fullbacks coming out. Yeah. So it, it kind of changed to a 4 3 3. And then within a framework of a game, if things weren't working, we tighten the midfield up and we become a diamond and play the two up front. If, but it was all down to common sense and the call of the players on the pitch, as well as obviously John on the touchline. Yeah. It was more or less a 4-4-2, but we never didn't have the bottle to change it. If we needed to change it, yeah. if we were having problems in a particular position, it weren't, I'll let him get on with it. He can cope. No, we got our help our man over there. He's struggling today. So we just adjust and yeah. adjust accordingly to help the team. That's what that's what it was all about. No, I get it totally. And as I said, it's 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 lovely, you know. And, and it's lovely that you guys are all still still mates and still. As you said, I don't think that happens so much in football now. I think people move so much and you know move to different countries and stuff like that. I mean, even you know when you know when Brady went you know Celtics and Slater went to Celtic. You know, it's only Scotland. You know, it's not like it's they're flying. Know, you know, I mean, now they're flying to China, or whatever. You know what I mean? Exactly, and it's not just the 85, 86 team that stays together. You know, when Bish comes over and Trevor yeah. Morley comes over, I still see him. I see Jimmy Quinn, Alan Knight, all the boys, you know. Yeah. So all the players of that era are kind of, they're all in touch. Kenny Brown, who you spoke about earlier, Kenny yeah. Brown Jr. He was seen, although I didn't play with Kenny Brown Sr., he was obviously a long time before me. You still see these guys yeah. and you still recognise these guys like they recognise us as West Ham players. Yeah. Whether that happens in the future, I'm not so sure. You know, no. because players, if they've been at a club three years, it's a long time. It's, uh, it's, it's I'm not true. talking it's about the Mark, Mark Nobles of this world, who's yeah. done terrific for us. But mostly, you know, three years is a long time. Yeah, and as you said, that yeah, I mean, you can probably count them on hands rather than you know where before you had this is you used ever ten years and yeah, lots of players were there for a long time and had testimonials and, and stuff like that. You don't get well, that, that anymore now. You don't get that's a real good point. Right? That's a real good point, Russ. Because when I was playing, uh, I had a testimonial, yeah, did, yeah. but there was 11 testimonial years in succession. 
that means 11 players played 10 years or more for the football club. Crazy. It was uh, like every year, there was a lot of functions to go to, it wasn't <laughs> a lot of drinking, but it was 11 successive testimonial years. I, I can't remember them all, but it was Phil Parks, yeah. myself, Alvin, Ray Stewart, Stevie Potts, Georgie Paris, Paul Hilton. Oh, I've named quite a few there, but there's there's a, a few there was 11. More. Jeff yeah, Pike. Wow. Uh, but it was 11 on, 11 on the spin. And it was like, God, blimey. That, that's um, what loyalty was in those days, wasn't it? Yeah, you don't and get you got, look, To be fair, you got loyalty back from the football club because the testimonial year uh, was the year that you were supposed to get your little bit of bonus. Yeah. And you, you, yours was against the Republic, Republic of Ireland, wasn't it? Ireland team, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah. Mine was against the Republic. It was a day after we played Southampton and stayed up. We drew 3-3 against them on a Saturday. So... Yeah. Like 34,000 on the Saturday, and then I only got eight and a half. But that's no reflection on the West Ham crowd. No. If that had been played on a Wednesday, there would have probably been 30,000 there yeah. as well because they were that yeah. loyal. But to ask supporters to come two days in succession to the same ground was odd. That's where yeah. I, uh, that's where it was wrong. Kind of got a little bit stitched up in that respect, but mm. that's all gone now anyway. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Sunny so, money, Russ. Sunny money, money. Sunny money. You know, you can't spend it. <laughs> can't spend it now, can we? At the moment, you know, uh, she's finding ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my wife is finding ways as well. Let's be honest. <laughs> is that a delivery man? Is that a delivery yeah, yeah, man? Yeah, yeah. I've just had a delivery. Funny, about two since I've had this call. Yeah. Just goes on to say, no, but we're selling stuff as well. All my, my daughter, you know, because now you've got time to do stuff. You know, we're taking all the boxes down and going through the clothes, and you know, which is like yeah. she's, have a sort out, yeah, have a proper sort out, yeah. Is that they're, they're worried declutter indeed? They're, they're worried about the charity shops, aren't they? Because as soon as they open, they're going to get like skip loads of clothes <laughs> coming in. It's going to be an absolute nightmare for Oxfam and Sue Ryder and Art Vandals. Tone, it's been absolutely brilliant. I've, I've really enjoyed chatting to you. I really appreciate you taking Thanks, the time. Russ. We've got a lovely team there. Um, and obviously, yeah, stay, hopefully, a few weeks' time, the old Premier League will be back and be able to watch it on BBC or yeah. Amazon or whatever it's going to be on. It's going to be I hope so, quite mate. interesting. Oh, Sky. Yeah. Sky. Don't Sky Sports. Sky. No, sorry, I'm Sky Sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, yeah, I am probably Sky Sports' biggest uh, subscriber anyway. So, yeah. Um, and obviously, yeah. But, Obviously, thank you to everyone for watching as well. You know, it's been really nice. Obviously, like, share, subscribe, comment. We've got loads more. And until next time, guys, take care and stay safe, everybody. For me and Tone. See you. Thanks, Russ. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.